Yo, what's up? We're back. Episode 30, first smoke of the day. Got a special guest in the building tonight. Super special to have this man in the building with us. It's your boy, Pat Gods. I'm here with my co-host, Blackleaf. What's good, man? What's good, big guy? <laughs> I've been here. I'm living good, but I've been hearing about this guest for a while, bro. Man. And I like gas, so. I like That's gas, too. Thing. So with no further ado, man, episode 30, we got on gas, no breaks. Welcome to First Smoke yes, of the sir. Day, my Thank friend. Thank you very much, my friend. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys for having me on. You know, uh, heard a lot of good things about you guys. Listen to the podcast and stuff like that frequently. So a lot of the guests that's been on have been champs. I'm uh, honored to be in the ranks. Absolutely. Hopefully more good than bad. <laughs> We're working on it, man. <laughs> but if you don't know about gas, no, all gas, no breaks. Um, it, I will say this. His family is definitely a uh, a legendary a legendary bloodline in the game of cannabis. His brother, Fidel, shout out to episode five. Our brother, yes, Fidel, sir. send a love your way always. Yes, sir. Um, and Sergey is your brother Serge, as well yeah. with Fiore. Serge from Cookies Serge Maywood Fiore. and Fiore. Yep. It's a family Fidel. affair. Fidel. All three. Yeah. yeah. Trifecta. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Shows all, the past. All reigning yeah. from Lebanon. Yes. From Beirut, Lebanon, from the Middle East. We come from a country that was, you know, uh, stricken with a civil war. So we grew up during a civil war. Um, it always makes wars make up for a lot of crazy stuff to happen in the country. And our country was already one of the best producers of hash. Ooh. You know, Lebanese red hash. Everybody Absolutely. knows about that. It's uh, up there with the Moroccan hash <clears throat> and whatnot. So um, growing up in that type of environment you know it was it was really volatile but at, at the same time learning absolutely right. eye-opening and, and you being are you are you the oldest i'm the eldest yes from uh three of us fidel being the youngest serge being the middle brother um we like me and serge started a lot earlier fidel was a lot younger and um he wasn't around at the time but then once he came back into the picture and whatnot, it was just, you know, he, he, he took flight from there. Absolutely. As we all know, he's doing phenomenal at the moment. Yeah, straight and, up. Shout yeah. out to my boy Fidel. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's and a family affair. Lane. Yeah, to, it take us back to, to the beginnings. I mean, talk about growing up in Lebanon a little bit. Yeah, and then, so, and then when you transitioned and, you know, yeah. moved to the States. Yeah, so basically I was I was only four or five years old when we moved um to LA to California, you know, late eighties, eighty-seven, eighty-eight, you know, Los You're Angeles. Always born. Los Angeles was cracking. Um, <laughs> I, I felt blessed. I, I felt blessed to be in a city that, you know, there's entertainment. It was like the hub basically of everything, you know, all cool things. Merge, yeah, merch. Um, the just living here as a kid, you know, you have all sorts of shit that you don't at other places. You guys are from Florida. Florida is really popping too. Whenever you're a kid, so it starts here, though. Yeah, but it's, it's specifically in these times. Yeah, like you're saying, exactly trends, the exactly. trends. So you know, just growing up in LA, always, always, you know, on the rougher, uh, rougher side of things. Um, you know, you go to high school and you see a little bit of race riots and stuff like that. It's an eye opener. You know, you don't really see that a lot, a lot of places. Um, LA, you have a lot of gang members in, in schools too. So, you know, there's a lot of drugs and whatnot in school. 
And uh, we started off young whenever we started smoking weed. You know what I'm saying? We would ditch school in high school. Um, and we would just go either to the bleachers or we would get out of school and we would try to, you know, anywhere we can, we can light up, basically. <laughs> we, we would light up, come back, you know, like just blitzed out of your mind. Uh, bloodshot eyes, having the time of your life. You know what I'm saying? So it was, it's, it was just southern california was was that i couldn't think of anything else during high school that was greater the mecca of weed too you grew up in the mecca yeah it was back then it was smoking though back that's what i was gonna say back then it was mainly like just chronic you know people called it just you know chronic to me if i if i if i (laughs) if i were to like think back to it right now it would (coughs) it would be your snow caps um it'd be your train wrecks okay um some sour diesel um but all fire yeah but all but all fire wow all of them fire and um that trend was there until about like i would say 98 99 when og kush really hit the spot like og kush whenever it made its presence in at least LA in my area, you know, in the Valley and whatnot, San Fernando Valley is a big hub for it. You know, it's the San Fernando Valley OG. That's one of the greatest OGs, the church OG. That was like a staple for, for pretty much the West. Everybody was smoking OG for a very long time. We got into that. And when the first time I smoked OG, the first hints I got was just pine salt and roses. Mm-hmm. And it left this, like this, it wasn't sticky, but it was almost like oily. The The resin on it was almost oily. And I was so intrigued because I had never seen anything like that in my life. And mind you, I was probably about 16, 17 years old back then. And I, and I was stupefied. Been smoking for, since I was 12 years old. But like just seeing, seeing that, you know, change from like chronic to OG Kush was a mind blowing experience yeah. for me. I just wanted to chase it. That's early on. That's one. That was the first sign I knew that like first if, hit flavor, right? Yeah. If something like that were to pop off again, like a new flavor, that I'm gonna be hooked on it because it was just like you chase you chase that. Everybody yeah. would the best that you could exactly. find OG, right? Exactly. In the mecca of OG, exactly. SFV San Fernando Valley, San Fernando like almost. You know, that's like where it first hit. Yeah. It's like that, that woody, musky, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just, and, and it's a couch lock. It's, oh, we weren't testing back then, but I can guarantee you with the knowledge that we have today and everything like that of how we see, those were easily above 30% THC where a lot of people weren't used to those levels at that time. You know yeah. what I'm saying? They were, it was a, it was a yeah, treat. Yeah, no joke. The expensive yeah. pack. But exactly. she's super, super fresh and sticky. Yeah. Yeah. So 16, 17 years old, you're smoking fresh OG Kush right here in LA. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. I'm smoking stress <laughs> out of an apple. 
Or yeah. a Coke can. <laughs> <laughs> Coke can or some shit, man. That's, the that's the comparison. Yeah. And I was born in 88. So yeah. that's crazy that you moved here in, in 80, yeah. 88. Yeah, I was born in 83. I'm, so this is the OG I'm, right I'm here. You always better cat. put yeah. some respect on my man's o- name older, for real. Older cat. I look, I, <laughs> yeah. I look young, but I'm state preserved. We'll get to that a little bit later, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're moving out here. You're going to high school. You're smoking OG Kush, meeting some people. What was it? Talk about, you, you, you were just speaking about a few people that you know you still keep in contact with talk about you know your your experience in high school and how that kind of led you into your career choices so and stuff a lot a lot of the homies that i went to high school with and people that went to my high school that were either a class or two behind me uh primarily about i want to say 75 percent of them are all in the in the weed game uh legitimate companies too a lot of them are That's legitimate awesome. companies. So, um, but before all that, you know, like just having, having the access to OG Kush back then was something that you can actually puff your chest up on and um, <laughs> start something with where you can basically make some money with. I used to slang in high school. I used to slang in between classes, in between, you know, um, at lunchtime and stuff like that. At the bathroom, it was popping. Dishing wow. out stuff, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like dubs, <coughs> dime sacks, dubs. You know what I'm saying? We were just we would go through them and stuff, and and basically, people really knew me as their weed plug at a very early age because I I I didn't I don't come from a rich family. I knew that if I wanted to sustain my smoke, I needed to you know basically come out of pocket. You know what I'm saying? So um, I couldn't come out of pocket completely. I had to. I had to let the flower pay for itself. So, um, and I was good at it. You know, it's, I would, I would, mm-hmm. I have a good nose. I have a good knack for picking something. Um, until today, my motto is basically if it, if it doesn't go in my lungs, it doesn't go in my bags. It's just something that I stand by. Real good because, curator. Um, yeah, it's, you got to be a curator in this, in this situation because you, a lot of people really look up to older homies like i've i've had older homies that you know always put me up on the latest and the greatest and you you ask yo homie what's up you got what's new you know what i'm saying they'll be like yo this is what i got right now and um you should definitely check it out so it's the same thing with you know like what are you smoking on uh currently no it's like you're asking yeah. the older homies at the time like yo yeah, what, are what are you smoking what are you exactly. smoking exactly. on you know yeah. what, what i mean because there's the work and then there's like what are you smoking on exactly, exactly. <laughs> always yeah. and it, it would always be you, you always got to take care of the big homie you always got to take care of the plug and this that for for you to be looked at like well, yo this this cat's deserving of of actually, you know, picking some, yeah, getting hooked up. You know what I'm saying? Here you go, little homie. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is something from me to you. And that's when you got to really level up and think to yourself, wow. Okay. You know, he's really doing it. You know, my plug was, was good at that. And I, I try to do that too. It's a service really. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Every, every, you know, being a business leader is being of service. I feel like, right. Whoever can provide the best, there can be 10 of, same businesses, but who's providing the best service that keeps on bringing people back for that? You know, absolutely. Um, it was it was until like the end of high school when I was already you know getting hit up left and right from people who were like, "Yo, 
there's dispensaries now, you know, like, oh. you know, why don't you guys go check out some dispensaries and this, that. And I really didn't believe a lot of people because like, because it was very scarce. Not a lot of people had their medical cards. I'm talking in like 2004, 2005. Not a lot of people had them. It was just very rare, like one out of 10 people that you knew. And until that person actually, you know, came over one day and it was like, yo, uh, player, I got to show you this. Like, this is some, this is some stuff. Like I got like three different strains. And for me, it was, it was, it was either OG or chronic. It was, it was really, I mean, that there was, was a difference in strains, but they, like nobody was coming and labeling strains like that, where they would put it in a bag and, you know, it would have like a label to it. It would have a name to it where you'd be like, okay, so I want this. Right. You know, Bro. now it's in a bag and it has a cool name. This is gas. That That's Cushman's it. cross, I can't yeah. stop. I'm choking. Shout to out, keep up shout to out, this. search I cannabis. Man. I had, to, I'm choking, man. You, <laughs> shout out, search cannabis. Fire, bro. You shout this. out, um, big tuna, Mike. Um, this is a creation at Whoa. Cookies Maywood that was done in part with a lot of ho uh, good homies, big homies, you know, mm -hmm. JBZ being in the mix, powers up, powers up. Um, cereal milk crossed with our cookies gelati crossed back to a Cushman's 11 um, oh, the 51st shit. Fino well, aka a long chest. journey a long Fuck journey this thing. Uh, very wow. expensive <laughs> Fino is hunting some... is very expensive <laughs> so you know it's um, is this some 2090 shit I know that's what powers so, up something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's shout, how, that's shout out to powers up man. yes sir the big homie. Thank you for yeah, everything. You know, you know homies up. like that bless bless and pave the way. Yeah. For real. <coughs> Absolutely. 100%. Um, him and Jigga for sure. Absolutely. Um, so post high school, you're getting with your boys. Everyone's kind of getting in the game and stuff and you're doing your thing. What was it like when everyone started getting their medical cards and everything started rolling out? Well, not a lot of that. Again, not a lot of people were getting their medical okay, so, cards like that. So I looked at that as an opportunity, um, really. Um, I was always a little bit older than a lot of my younger homies and stuff. And my younger homies wanted to smoke more than my older homies. So they would come to me and be like, Hey, you know, after I got my medical card, cause I was intrigued after the homie came by with three strains, I was intrigued. I had to, I had to get my card. Uh, I real quick, I went and did a little bit of research on Google on as to how to, how to obtain mine went to the health and safety department right here on flower street in downtown, um, back in 2005. And I got my state rec card. It was, you know, from the County of Los Angeles. It wasn't just from a doctor's um, office. Wow. I had to go to a doctor's first, get that, and then take that to the, uh, to the city, to the health and safety department where okay. they in turn gave me that card. And it was, it was pretty rare because not a lot of people had that second step. Um, going into dispensaries for the first time was like a kid in a candy land for me. I, I was astonished. I, I was really astonished as to how this is completely legal. Because <laughs> like, like, I was like, you know, it's so taboo growing up for so long that like, you know, I was in 2002, mind you, I had already been to Amsterdam. So I kind of had seen um, coffee shops, knew how it worked, but like LA was on a, on a, on a beefier level where they just had like packs after packs after packs. And it was just a lot of good stuff. 
a lot of good strains. You had um, all the classics, the plane wrecks, the train wrecks, the OG cushions. You had about like eight to nine different OG cushions at that time. They had edibles, which edibles were very, very rare. What year you think this is? Um, this is 05. Wow. 05, okay. 06. Yeah. It was that early 2000s. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. 05, when it was just, you know, that was the thing to do. We'd go to a dispensary. I would go and buy up to like half a pound to a pound and just <laughs> go back home and be like, yo, look what I scored. And everybody would jam me up and be like, hey, I want some, this, that, this, that. And it'd be gone in no time. You know, Do you remember which dispensaries were like the best ones at that time? I don't remember the name, but it was on Ventura Boulevard. Shout out to my homie Vance. Um, I don't know really where he is in the game at the moment, but um, Vance, if you're watching this, yeah, was killing 45 it. and eighth. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but like that was a huge deal in L.A. when you were able to get 45 and eighth. That was like groundbreaking right there and you would go in and you would have at least 10 to 15 strains on the board that's awesome yeah so it was really there that i just every for me i see i see is every experience is an opportunity to to grow and if i see it as he could do it i could do it too he's just, you know no no man is god so you you're able to duplicate what what they they got going on if you're really passionate about it. And I was really passionate about it. You know, I loved smoking. I loved everything about it. The taste, the look, selling it, the whole, the whole nine. I just, I fell in love with that. And basically from there, we would, um, planning, me and Serge were planning on like opening up a dispensary, <laughs> but Serge, he was an electrician at that time and doing a lot of electrical work. He couldn't really like, step away from that world because he was making good money That's a good with the homie uh savan shout out savan from dr green thumbs uh shout out the yes, homie sir. for real you already, you already know, know. Um, we appreciate all, you my brother <laughs> we're all high school friends from a long time ago like i said a lot of us have have uh been in the legal game now and have made it into the legal game thank god but um yeah, it's, you know, we we thought about opening up a dispensary and, and Serge wouldn't buy that first. So I had to go and talk to a couple of my high school friends that had a little bit of money that came from, you know, the, a little bit of money at least. So a friend of mine from high school and me opened up our first dispensary on Hazelwood and York. Hazelwood Patients Collective. This was in 2006. And um, mind you, there were no vendors like going door to door back then. We would actually call people. We would call up to Humboldt. We would call up to Arcata, Fortuna, Mendocino, just asking for people that grew to give us a chance to buy their product. That's the level to where it, the demand was, basically. Wow. The farmers are really very hard. hard right now. Yeah, it was on those days. Those were the hard. good days. Yeah, those I were mean, the good days when you didn't have to work on selling your crop. Yeah, nowadays, whoa. Yeah, and your brothers are laying down the foundation for what's to come. Yeah, Ele electrical is always a great foundation. Yeah, exactly. Teamwork. Exactly, exactly. And a cousin <laughs> of mine had a dispensary too in the valley, and I would frequently visit him, and he would need help 
you know, on running his shop too. A lot of vendors for some reason would, would head to from Northern California would head to the Valley a little bit more. So I'd catch them over there. I'd be like, Hey, what's up? You know, like I'm really trying to fill my store up too. What could we do? And they'll be like, you know what? I can't give you the best deals right now over here, but come on up to Humboldt and we got you. I call up Serge. I'm like, Serge, I know you're in trying to really get into this game, but like the demand is no there. Choice. We got to do this. <laughs> got to do this. This is a family thing. Yeah. And um, the first dispensary, again, it, it really didn't prosper. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It really didn't prosper because we didn't have our ducks aligned. It was just something where yeah. we were lucky. Uh, it's mind blowing. We we went to the city hall and actually got a license to sell marijuana. That wow. that that in itself was uh, wow. was an accomplishment to where I was mind blown. But I thought that that's gonna be frequent. Like that's you're one of the gonna, rare ones because yeah. most people just popped up a spot. Then you're one of the rare it, ones that was like, I want to do it right now. Exactly. Wow. You, you don't like. When whenever something's at its infancy, you really want to get into it and kind of learn what it is. If you see that, you know, if you if you personally think that it's it has a future, you really want to get into it in its infancy. You know what I'm saying? At its early stages, just get in there and learn it. And that's what I wanted to do, and I did. But there was more to it. It wasn't just you know after you get the license, you open up the shop, you, you design it, and everything like that. Now you got to find product to fill it up with. And you're talking about 2006 where, you know, you didn't have any of these strains like this. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're lucky to have like three or four strains, period. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. It was it, for real. Um, That's before most people can think about. Yeah. You know, because even me, I'm having trouble. I'm like, wow. Because that was, uh, you know, so before a lot of people's time. It's true, it's, though. Exactly. We like like where we were, it was like crippy and regs and mids. Yeah. That was it. And, and, and it wasn't really like strain names. So cool. My dad, my dad spoke. That's really how mm. I kind of like me and Serge kind of got into it because my dad used to buy weed from downtown LA. He used to be an auto parts salesman and um, he actually had some Jamaican friends near Chinatown that would always, you know, give him some Reggie, um, some Mexican break weed and he would bring it home <clears throat> clean out the stems, clean out the seeds and grind it up and leave them in film containers to the point where they're just at the brim. And Serge and I, <laughs> Serge and I would just open it up and just, you know, just take a little bit of shave off the top, you know what I'm saying? And, and run to our homies. Like, hey, look what I got. You know, yeah. we're kids. Yeah. 12, 13 years old, you know, it was a long time ago. But um, what was your first time smoking weed? At, at at that age, at 12, was 13. Was that what it was? Stealing from your dad? Um, it's, it's not stealing from my dad, well, but a friend of mine actually in um, school. That was his first time. That's why I had to ask. Yeah. It, it, no, I knew it's been a few dad. people. Like a few people now have said like, my first no. time smoking weed, I got from my dad's stash. <laughs> I would say the second. First time seeing weeds, you're like, what is I would that? say the second because what it was is like, I, when I, when my friend brought it, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. My dad smokes weed. I was like thinking to myself, okay, if my dad smokes it, it's cool. You know what I'm saying? Outright? It's fine. He smoked it outright, so you knew. Yeah, I knew. Okay. He wouldn't hide it. Yeah. My dad's been a hustler. It's he's yeah, yeah. he's a OG cowboy in his in his way too. And that's just a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, so basically, 
you know, just that. And then I would tell my friends, yo, my dad smokes. So they'd be like, well, why don't you fucking jack some dude? Like, you know what I'm saying? So I, I'd be like, yeah, I wanted to look cool. And I wanted to smoke too. I was fiending too. And I, you know, I'm not even going to hide it. So just <laughs> shave off the top, go and run to them. And we, we'd always smoke. And my first job was at a, um, at a car, at, at a like gas station. So like I had keys we'd go in afterwards and just like you know just get a bunch of uh, munchies and just throw it on my tab and just hit up sunset boulevard and cruise and just smoke on sunset boulevard it was a thing to do back then we would actually in the 90s we'd cruise on sunset for a friday night or a saturday night that's cool and Uh, you'd get a ticket for it for cruising you know like there's cops on every corner yeah just for cruising it would be bumper to bumper it would actually take you at least 45 minutes to an hour to get from let's say western all the way down to a little past la brea that's how slow it it would it would it would move it was just really really slow um but it was cool because everybody was smoking bumping music that that was that was the cali vibes everybody used to do that you know what i'm saying and then after that it was the house parties so how would they give you a ticket for cruising they would just kind of ask you what are you doing or like no they would just pull you over they knew you know three guys four guys young guys particularly you know what i'm saying it's crazy you're cruising you just get a ticket (laughs) (laughs) what are you gonna do about it (laughs) you know what i'm saying that is i've never heard anything like that like they got to a point you guys like, are cruising that's it yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's, it's just that yeah. let's make some money off of that hands exactly. on the pavement yeah. boys exactly <laughs> I, I wish no. they would give us ask, that for a, now for ask smoking LA, ask any la native they'll tell you that if at, around my age at least you know what i'm saying not the not not the if you, if you weren't getting tickets for cruising on sunset you, you, you might not doing really it. be from la <laughs> what were you, doing, man? What were you, you ain't what the were OG. Really doing you ain't what were you really doing smoking booth behind the building Getting back into the story, yeah. I feel like you finally convinced your brother. Yes. You guys got the, you, you, you yes. did the first project. You said it didn't go extremely well, but where yeah. to go from there? So I, we, again, that project wasn't successful. We really didn't have that much money. Um, Serge and I had just moved out of the, our parents' house and we lived by ourselves in an apartment and we were trying to fit, he was still doing electrical. That for him was promising because he was making more money at that age than anybody in his age group whenever you whenever you have a steady income like that it's very hard for you to see the other side of hey this there's another dream so i scraped up about a cup like 15 to 2500 to 2000 dollars and he scraped up another like four or five thousand dollars and we had about like five six Kane, I hit up the first vendor and he was in Southern Humboldt in um, Garberville at Redway. And that was the first time he was like, hey, you know what? Just come on up and, you know, let's talk business. So here we are, you know, Serge and I um, in a, it was, Way up in it the was like a Scion that I used to have, like a white Scion TC or something like that or SC. And I had two tens in the back and I thought, mm-hmm. you know what, we're going to take a, we're going to take a screwdriver and we're going to stash it in the 10, uh, in a, you know, in the two tens in the coffin and just, you know, cruise on down. So we go up there and the homie, um, Terpy Johnson and, uh, from HTC from Humboldt Terp Council, 
Mm-hmm. A couple of other homies over there, they're really young. We're older than them, but they're really young. They they already, you know, in humble, the game was already taught. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. Just you like grew sold. up into it. It was legacy taught farmers. as a legacy farmer. Yeah. yeah. Third generation growers, fourth generation growers that their dads, their uncles, their grandfathers, you would meet all of them whenever you went. Were they you know, making the diamonds and BHO and all that all the time? Back then, I'm not going to lie, there wasn't any any of that. Yeah, it was just, okay. Um, we, they had, I remember I got a brick of hash. It was like a full melt hash, Ooh. you know, uh, ice water hash and stuff like that. But it was still full melt. It was just so creamy, so juicy that it would just melt away. It really wouldn't turn into ash wow. afterwards. Um, bubble up and just eat your weed while it was, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? Looks like it's from a different planet. Exactly. Exactly. So um, they they put us up on a lot of game like you know that was the first time that i that i got introduced to depths there was no indoors everybody was just heavily heavily involved in depths over there it was eye-opening you know seeing all those you know uh, the the forest the trees and stuff like that being in that culture just going to going to a store and just eating organic food. It was all new to me. Like I've never I'd been to San Francisco, but I'd never been past San Francisco. And it was like a whole new world. And just it, it felt right because it there was no stigma. Parents were breaking weed down with their children. And that to me right there in itself was so super cool that I, I was like, man, this is this is where it's at. This so is you're right on the farm. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Seeing, seeing their, seeing their grows, seeing their products and things like that. And just spending time with them, really seeing like new strains for the first time or four or five different variations of it. Cause they were doing phenons and nobody else was doing phenons. It was, it was an eye opener and, and we were lucky, you know, we bought two packs that day farmer shot us another two on front and said you know what i'm confident that you guys are gonna sell it fast enough just come back and take care of me and we can we can keep on keeping on basically that's awesome yeah and um they just gave us a word of advice because we didn't know about the gauntlet back then you know about Mm -hmm. 150 170 miles stretch where you're it's called the gauntlet for a reason you had about five different uh agencies uh mendocino county sheriff humboldt county sheriff um willits police department highway patrol and the feds jeez so we would we would dress up as electricians in surges electrical clothes take (laughs) invoices with us um you know to make it look normal but that was after the first time the first time, you know, just regular Joes and a Scion with, a, with two tens in the back. <laughs> Open it up, throw the four pounds in there, and we're driving down. And it's about two o'clock in the morning. We're right about to exit Willits. Like, it's, we're about two miles out, and we're headed towards that stretch where it starts to get a little bit better. It's like Petaluma and, and all that, where it's a little bit faster pace you're not in you're not in the wilderness per se and we get pulled over by a willits police department officer and he goes pulls us over and he asks us if we had weed in the car and 
I had about a quarter ounce in a, in a Ziploc bag that I said, that's specifically why I had it. Well, if you got pulled over, this is, this is what's smelling. I was ready to take an L on a quarter and take whatever ticket or DUI on that rather than bringing attention to the four packs that's in my coffin. He wasn't buying it because the car was really loud. You know, this is, this is like that loud, gassy OG. You know what I'm saying? Like really gassy. Like you ran over a skunk type of shit. (laughs) And, um, and he wasn't convinced. He really wanted to take a look around. I said, okay, go ahead, take a look around. So he was taking a look around while Serge and I were in his cruiser. <clears throat> and he comes up to us and he says, I really think you have weed in the coffin. I'd like to open it up. And again, I'm thinking to myself, just keep it cool. Play the part. If shit hits the fan, it's going to hit. But at least you can, you still have some stuff to do here. So look, I, I really don't trust you opening it because I don't think you can put it back together well enough to, you know, for it not to break or anything like that. So I go, you got to do what you got to do, but you can't open that. Mm-hmm. So he says, I'm going to call a canine. I said, okay, call a canine. <clears throat> Again, you got to let them work. You really can't. Um, I, I, I come from a very hood background, you know what I'm saying? I used to bang back in the day. So you really got to let them do the job and not help them in any way. To help them, you know, nail your coffin, basically. So um, he went ahead and called in the canine, but it was so late in, at night, early morning, that the canine patrol was already at home, s- asleep. They couldn't wake up the dogs to come and check. Uh-huh. He walks on over, uncuffs <clears throat> us, takes us out of the car, and says, "You guys have a good night. You guys lucked out this time." Ooh. we're shitting bricks. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I sound confident right now, but we were shitting bricks. This sh- anything of that magnitude before I had never carried, you know, I've I carried a gun, probably yes, a knife, this, that, but never like four pounds of weed. We didn't know what the outcome would be of that. You know? And he knew exactly where it was. He knew where it, it was. wasn't like, Oh, yeah. I think you, yeah. yeah. Wow. He had probable cause. I really don't know why he wouldn't have, he would, didn't dig in any further into that box and said, you know, I think it's in there. I'm going to go in anyway. It <clears throat> shit played out the way it played out. Thank and God. Th- yeah, thank God. And we really knew at that point that we had to do things differently, that we couldn't continue on that way. You know what I'm saying? That was just pure luck. But um, by the time we hit Oakland and we had already made some phone calls, like it was like early in the morning, you know, telling a couple of these, our dispensary owner friends that, yo, um, we have some fire ass OG that you guys would want. They're like, oh yeah, bring it down. I'll buy all of it. So the whole four pounds were sold by the time, you know, we're already in the Bay Area. And, and all I could think of was like, damn, I'm going to go get, grab that cash and just run back up there. I really wanted to drive back up there. I just like, I, I fell in love right like overnight. It was just like this overnight, like love that sensation where like, I want to do this all the time. <coughs> and sure enough, we did. Like I called the homie the very next day. Cause the morning we had gotten rid of all the work that we brought down and he was dumbfounded. He was like, Oh, that's, that's cool. You guys sure you guys want to come back tomorrow? Yeah, we'll come back tomorrow. We want to grab eight, <laughs> pay you for this four and grab eight, you know, and like eight turned into 10, uh, 20 and like from 20 to 60 to two boxes a week. Um, 
and it was it was i mean it was just natural for you to open up a dispensary at that time at, at that moment because like not only are you the vendor you can vent to yourself you're the wholesaler and the retailer i was like i'm gonna supply myself and seeing what all my clients were making i was you know back then we'd get packs for 2500 2800 max of depths or of what, what of was depths it? Okay. depths were going for that that those prices back then and we'd bring them down to la and we'd get rid of them for five fifty five hundred at at a given time wow per pound so we would you know multiply that times a box because people didn't know they were depths they just knew it is this is weed exactly got you exactly and um again that multiplication that i just gave you of at that age, we were, I was crazy. 25 years old, 26 years old. I, I, I hadn't, like, you, you're not ready for that type of money, especially when you don't come from money. So it's just like, I'm going to do everything that my life hasn't really provided me with. So it's just, you would just go on, on binges and shit and parties mm-hmm. and clubbing and girls and what have you. But it was just, you know. It was exciting times. And you're building the name, the rep, Building the, the name, taking it up to another level to like from one dispensary uh, in um, our first dispensary reopened was um, Sunland Organic Pharmacy, to which I brought a picture from where we had Jack Herrera come right before he passed. Um, it was a couple of years before he passed and he, he made a meet and greet that we are able to generate a lot of customers with. And I took that same model that my friend Vance had. It was 45 and eighth all across the board for all of the top hitting OG Kushes. We were making a huge name for ourselves because I, I could afford to even sell it at 25 and eighth and still piss off everybody on that, on that boulevard. There was about 13 shops on that boulevard, on Sun, Sunland and Foothill Boulevard. We saw it as an opportunity to open up a couple of more shops. We opened up in um, San Diego, near Chula Vista and National City, where I found out that the city of San Diego was giving out licenses just like in LA. And I raced down there to the city hall and applied and got a license to sell marijuana in San Diego too. Again, it was mind-blowing at that time. Wow. But I took a huge L yeah. with that store um, because they quickly switched and said the building and safety department doesn't really re- have a code for this type of business yet. So we're retracting your license. Oh. And I had already spent a good 70000 oh. on decoration, bulletproof glass floors because this was like a gutted store. Did, were they like, did you then were able to transfer or that was that? So no. And you know, like, again, like I like until today, I keep that same attitude. I really don't give a fuck of what the city thinks or anything like that. Cause I feel like whenever you pay your dues and when you, whenever you're righteous about something, whenever you come approach it in a, in a positive manner and you don't do anybody dirty, we actually pay taxes and stuff like that, that it would, it would, change to our benefit unfortunately it didn't we operate we had to operate for a year illegally in that shop until we got like a cease and desist letter and i had already been raided 
at another dispensary twice before and I had pending cases. So I didn't want to add another third case to the situation. And that's when like start like shit started hitting the fan. Cause like a lot of shops were, um, were given like permits and licenses as like a temporary thing where you had to go and, and, and it's like a hardship exemption where the city council members of LA would have to give you a hearing when you have to explain to them that you're 500 feet away from places of worship and schools and government buildings and you pay taxes. You can show um, all your taxes that you've paid throughout the year. And then they grandfather you in and give you a license and grandfather you in. But they didn't. They were still raiding shops that were temporarily given those um, permits. Oh, man. My shop being one of them got raided twice with bogus deals you know they took me they took Serge they took my dad they took Big Tuna Mike Big Tuna Mike was a manager at one of my stores at that time and um and all the product all the product but you were paying the city for a city license. and the state Jeez. for taxes interesting they, they would cash the checks spend it on mm. spend it on whatever the city needed and stuff like that but then still felt that they can come and raid us and we had sued the city too because they were not giving us that hearing date. I feel I really feel like it was more of a fuck you for for suing them when we won that lawsuit. It was like a class action lawsuit, but nothing came of it. Really. Was it local police that were coming to raid you or was it feds? LAPD. Wow. LAPD. In the beginning, it was the the raids were conducted by DEA for a long time, for all the way up to I want to say like 07, 08. And then oh nine it they kind of oh nine oh ten they oh uh, nine and ten and they started like the fed fed started like handing over resources to LAPD they wouldn't do the raids but they would give all the knowledge and all the manpower and all the um money that the city LAPD that did that they didn't have in order for them to conduct the raids and it was a little bit um like it wasn't the same. Because it was, yes, you didn't have a federal charge or anything like that. But at the same time, LAPD was like a huge criminal. Like they would just come in like raid, but like they would want to cripple you as more to like steal from you and, and to not take, take you away from your financial gains in order for you not to be able to <clears throat> start another store or anything like that. Because that was the pattern. You get raided at a store, you open up another. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. a thing to do. There was, They're still playing that game. Yeah. Yeah, to until today. Day. Yeah. Until today. But these days it's a lot more the stakes are a lot higher. Yeah. Much higher. Yeah. Say, stakes right? are a lot higher because you can't just get away with opening up a dispensary. What isn't a dispensary like how it is today? Like right. you walk into dispensaries, it's like a fucking designer mall or a department <laughs> yeah. store. And back then they were trying to make it look like you're just a drug manufacturer exactly. or something like exactly. Even my license for Sunland Organic Pharmacy it was Sunland Organic Pharmacy SOP. We had um somebody from the state come and say, Okay, you're well, you're really not a pharmacy. You're not you don't have a pharmacist license, so you can't call your business pharmacy. So we just went by Sunland Organic, knocked off the pharmacy. Um and um, really, at, at that point, it was it was just like to me, I knew that I had to do a couple of different other things in order for you to sustain because like raids were happening frequently to everybody. 
And there was no end in sight. It was just like, if you made it, you made it. If you didn't make it, you didn't make it. You know what I'm saying? That's when I decided to open up a um, hydro shop too in the city of Santa Clarita. That's where we were living at at the time. So no growing yet, but you were like, I want to get into the hydro business. Well, we grew at my, uh, at our shop in um, San Diego. Um, we had like a 10 lighter in there, but it was, it wasn't, we weren't successful at all. We got a break in, in like halfway <laughs> through the veg and they took plants and walked all over plants and destroyed plants and stuff like that. But oh. it, we saw that, you know, like it was more profitable for us to learn how to grow in Southern California than opposed to going up North, spending all that money. And then, you know, the risk of bringing it down. Cause it was a lot more risky back then bringing it down, you know, as it is now, it's not, it's not, it's not nearly the same. So yeah, I knew quickly that if, and it was a legal business too, you know what I'm saying? I wanted to have a legal, completely legal business, like as a retail shop, um, that would in turn, I saw, I saw down the line that I was like, okay, if I see myself growing and I want to expand and growing, maybe I need to own a hydro shop so I can supply my supply myself. And back then hydro farm, sunlight supply, all these companies, you know, shout out art, uh, from sunlight supply, Hawthorne group, you know what I'm saying? Big um, company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, we met him early on and he supplied our store, filled up our, our uh, hydro shop with everything that we needed. And there comes the knowledge too, because growers come into hydro shops. So we, again, just because I owned the hydro shop didn't mean that I necessarily knew all the nicks and knacks of how to grow. We knew, but again, everything was so scrutinized and so hard, yet rated left to right that you didn't have time to learn as you do right now. Nobody's kicking you indoors right now. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's able to do what they do. And a lot of them are able to do it legally too. So all this was illegal. You know, pheno hunting and stuff like that was a lot more expensive. So we, you know, we, we supplied a lot of the growers. The growers gave us the knowledge and we got better and better at, at growing. Um, at that point, I had all, like I said, I had been raided at my dispensaries twice and I had another pending case for some other uh, situation. And it was just, I was going to do jail time. It was, there was no end to it. Like it was. You're running fearless. Yeah. They were, wow. they're going to break me off. So, and again, a lot of my, a lot of my family members were also arrested. So the deal was for them to go unskeeved for me to take the blame. And I did, and I went away for three years. I was in prison for three years, and that was a reality check for me. Let's talk about that. I think it's a part important part of your journey for sure. If it's somebody you getting disrupted like that, you're you're coming up in LA. It seems to be like everything's kind of overall going your way, even though it's a struggle through every step, right? But when it, it's different when you get interrupted in the sense of now they take your time. You're sidelined. I mean, you lose everything. Um, I, I was a very hands-on business owner. Um, I employed a lot of people, fed a lot of people. So it was a blow to the entire team, to the entire organization. And it was basically um, a time to reflect back because I was completely sober for, for a good year and a half 
of my incarceration where um, I would smoke so heavily before that. So my mind <clears throat> opened up to a lot of realities. Like you sit there, even though you know that you might necessarily not have needed to be down for three years, but you know that you've made certain mistakes in your life where like, you, you know, it's like you need to sit your ass down, reflect a little bit, meditate, be a better person. Because it's, it's, it's a two-way street. It's, you're either going to college, university, or you're going to prison or jail. You're going to learn one way or another. You know what I'm saying? It's now that a lot of people have these opportunities with making NFTs or making beats and things like that or hustling clothing and shoes that makes money. You didn't have those avenues back then. So, you know, that was a real wake up call for me to be able to basically be sober for about the first year and a half of my incarceration. And then basically planning out my future because I lost everything. I lost all three of my dispensaries. I lost my <coughs> hydro shop. Wow. Um, it was, I knew that basically when I got back out, I had to start from scratch while being on parole. And it was a tough pill to swallow. You know, I got, I got locked up in 2010. Um, our first raid started in 2009. 2010, we got raided again. 2010, last day of the year, I they remanded me back. They revoked my bail. I was out on bail three times and stayed in for three years. They didn't get out for three years. I got out July of 2013. And at that point, Fidel and Serge were really big because they were first they were supposed to run the hydro shop but they didn't end up running the hydro shop <clears throat> fidel did after after a friend of of ours savan came and you know bought it him and savan actually blew it up from one store to three stores now the main store is a girl generation store shout out girl generation shout out yeah. to girl generation i know the real, boys man. are yeah you already know boys are plugged in with them so i gotta, gotta give credit where it's due so yeah girl generation just bought out um uh, scv hydro um commercial grow supply and they had made it into a huge company and and fidel was shining through that because not only was he growing he was in the hydro game too so so he was very credible as to as to what was going on. And he had his brothers, me and Serge back there, you know, learning fr from it. It was just we, we taught him everything that we knew. You know, I didn't like it. I'm not going to lie. You know, like I, <laughs> I kind of feel like I chose the background that I chose because I had always been in trouble with the law. That wasn't my first time being arrested. Serge, too. Me and Serge come from, uh, you know, the a gang background when we were younger and stuff like that. So it was always naturally in us to do bad things and to like Loki get caught up about it. But we didn't want that for him. We didn't want that mm -hmm. for Fidel, but he was so passionate until today. You can see whenever he explains something, whenever he does something, it's just from the heart. Yeah. Search too. everything that they do is from the heart. They're genuine people. He blew us away, man. That that Fidel uh, interview pure. we did, that was a great podcast. Awesome. He's an amazing guy, bro. Yeah. You, you pure got great heart. brothers. Pure heart. I can see why you'd want to kind of keep him away from this life because yeah. it uh, 
even the other day I saw the video we got his truck broken into yeah. months ago. Yeah. And it's shit like that that you want to keep your younger brother away from because exactly. it fucking sucks. Like exactly. It's, yeah. it's I mean, tough, you grow man. up beating people up for shit like that. Not, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 100%. Like, you get called. You. No, yeah. Hey, big bro, this happened. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's, yeah, I no, feel 100%. It. But talk about that because he gets into that and he talked about that in his journey. So that's kind of cool. We can go full circle that in episode five, when he talks about taking that store from one store to three stores, three stores. Yeah. That's what you're speaking on right now. Exactly. Him making uh, him and Savan making connections with big Mike from advanced nutrients, big Mike wanting to play a huge role, then visiting advanced nutrients facilities and, um, nutrient facilities in <clears throat> Sofia, Bulgaria. Wow. That, that was like the beginning journeys of what can be, how big a company can really be. You know, bringing, bringing nutrient lines forward, bringing um, strains forward, genetics and things like that. We're, we, we always knew that we had to have a hand on any, each and every aspect of, of the game. And we did. And um, Surgeon... Surgeon Big Tuna Mike were running a couple of our 20 light grows that I had basically left behind with them when I went away. And luckily when I got out, I had a nice chunk of money to to get back to that they were nice enough to, you know, bless me with so I could hit the ground running again. Yep. But when you're on parole, it's really, really hard. I actually started to grow and about two months out of prison i had already done a setup it was in a little rock near um near palmdale a little past palmdale and stuff lake isabella and um neighbors called the cops and then when the cops came they ran my plates it was a felon you know on parole it wasn't a good look oh they had a search warrant. They came and that, that right there put me back in a tra- my tracks. I was like, yeah, I'm not trying to go back to prison. It was, it was a lesson learned. I'm so you got out of that. that. Yeah. It was just a search, search um, warrant, like a jack move. Basically they yeah. came, they scraped up everything left and it, they, there wasn't anything I had already pulled. It was, uh, it was in a um, veg early on, like probably like week one or week two in veg. And they came to sh- destroyed everything. And they were able to get that because you were a felon. Yes. Wow. Yes. I don't. I don't think I would have gotten raided because everybody was going around there <clears throat> if I wasn't a felon. It was like more of the fact that I'm on parole too. Mm-hmm. So that put me in the back seat a lot, and I had to call up the homie Savan again. I brought him up three times, but um, he plays a large role into what we used to do together as a team because this this whole movement that you know every any anybody that anything they do is there's a lot of people behind it too so he gave me an opportunity to become the general manager for all three stores of uh, the hydro stores and it was then that because i already knew the business i used to own it i knew it it was a tough pill to swallow to basically Go from owner to an employee, working for a friend. Those are all tough pills to swallow. Very tough. But it makes you who you are. It roughens your skin, makes you a little bit more edgy when when whenever you need. You know, it gives you the it gives you the insight of what life is really about. It's not just about you know the good times. 
bad times and the bad times also make you too. Good times make you and the bad times make you too. They actually make you a little stronger. So that in itself helped me get back into, um, you know, meeting a lot of growers again and then eventually starting to grow again and going to my brother's facilities and, you know, always giving them the latest and the greatest of the tech that was coming out every year, you know, MJ BizCon was at its early stages, but we would go to, we would frequent them and we'd always pick up equipment and and try to do the the newest and the best until um, basically like the company was kind of going in the, the owners wanted to split into a couple of different ways. And at that time, Serge wanted to open up a dispensary to him, big tuna, Mike and poker star Edwin, who is the pilot also oh, owner dope. and pilot of Fiore's, wow. uh, the Cookie Monster. Shout out Edwin. Absolutely. Um, again, he's he's a veteran too. You know, back in 2006, 2007, he also opened up in Van Nuys and we helped him, you know, start off with a couple of stores in Van Nuys and House of Kush in um, Northeast LA um, near Eagle Rock. The very prominent shops that a lot of people people frequented too. A lot of your listeners will no house of kush you know they basically got together and they they wanted to open up a dispensary and a lot of and i was basically lining myself up to come in as as just a partner for my brother and they were able to go to the city of maywood and the mayor and the city council members over there at the time were open to the idea because their city was hurting really, really bad. They didn't have any type of revenue, any income. They had just lost their Maywood Police Department. Now the LA County Sheriff's Department had taken over. So they were kind of like losing their city. And it was about to be incorporated into LA County and not an unincorporated city. So they needed entities like us, basically, that were trying to align ourselves with the legalization. I believe it was like 17 or 18, 2018. So basically we would go to city council members uh, and we'd go to the meetings and we'd sit there for two, three hours, listen to them. A lot of haters in city council (laughs) meetings. Never been to one until then, you know. Older generation. Yeah. No, no. Weed store, no. But we're about to make you guys a lot of money. We're about to revamp your schools, about to open up new parks, whatever it is that you guys need. It was always a no, though. And then came a couple of opportunities where just around right around this time, actually, where um, we spoke to L.A. Sheriff's Department and we said, look, we want to donate up to a thousand turkeys for Thanksgiving. And we also want to do a toy drive for christmas so we need to borrow your helicopter twice and we were able to line that up we did a turkey drive fed uh, you know gave away thousand turkeys and fed a lot of families that's amazing wow and the city took that into note and you we started using that as ammo at each council member meetings that we used to have we used to attend to essentially lobbying you're exactly. essentially lobbying exactly. for yourself exactly 
about and the then came in the community. The Christmas time in the this city is, count, the city. For anyone that doesn't know, I mean, this big pharma, big alcohol, big tobacco. This is how they get everything done, just on a much higher scale. Yeah, millions. <laughs> That's called lobbying. Millions. <laughs> you know, we the city hall wanted a huge Christmas tree. We put up like a, I believe it was with like twenty foot Christmas tree. You're wow. spending a lot of money at this that, point. The toy drive with the, the you know Santa All landing cause, in the middle but... of an elementary school and wow. handing out with the helicopter sheriff's helicopter giving out toys. Holy <laughs> shit! Uh, honestly, it was like uh, is it was got to be proud at that oh, point. It was, oh my god! It was, it was, I was I you was really proud of the team, huh? Did you get that on video? Yes, we have oh pictures and video. Let's please, please get those. Let's get those sent yeah, in, man. Right. Let's definitely, revisit that. Definitely, definitely, hundred percent. So the city really saw that, and I think it was one thing that um, basically convinced them totally was that they had a baseball diamond, a park that was just avoided for Little League that was burnt down from a fire. So we put all new bleachers, redid the, the field for them. That's when they said, you know what? Now these guys are genuinely interested in, in wow. doing this. Redid the baseball park. Yeah. So they legalized marijuana in the city of Maywood. That's all they did. It didn't benefit us in any way. It's just until basically other than that was the first step that we took forward, not sideways, not back. It was just a step forward. So uh, Edwin is a champ for this one. They went up to um, the, the, the business to where Cookies Maywood is today. And it used to be a garment place. Um, they knock on the door. And asked to buy the building if asked if it was for sale. And some Asian lady answers and says, No, it's not for sale. Leave a business card saying, Look, we'll pay any money that you want. We're from a marijuana company. Essentially giving her the green light to basically hike up and ride <laughs> us on the price. But that's what you gotta do if you want to play. So um, yeah, they sh sh we didn't think that she was gonna call. She did. <laughs> She called and she was like, I'm ready to sell. She sold. Wow. We got the building. And a lot of, um, we didn't, we, we had underestimated how big the building was and how much money it takes to build out a facility like that. And again, you also has to, to understand <laughs> Jungle Boys were the only ones doing something like that at that level no shout out jungle Boys. yeah big yeah, shout out big shout out Straight ivan up. and then you know all of them were not only doing it at, at at that scale but actually letting people see on instagram straight up they were Mass the literally rooms. pioneers massive pioneers to basically show instagram and the world they they're deserving of that one million following because again when you're such a pine i believe all pioneers have to get that that gratification and that that gratitude because they did something in order for that them to get there you know what i'm saying so a lot of a lot of their work was basically ha hadn't gone unnoticed and we wanted to duplicate things like that we we didn't want to step on anybody's toes but at the same time we wanted to duplicate that but they set the standard yeah they set the standard they're the standard they, they're they were number one and i still believe that they're number one in in los angeles absolutely till today absolutely. they gave away so much yeah. game influenced so many growers exactly yeah. exactly we came out here when we came out here we were we were on a mission to like impress them in a sense of like we you know we want to 
we took our work to their their shop yeah. you know first you know yeah. what i mean and mm-hmm. they shot us down but you know it was a good it was it in was because way. it was an og era and we're bringing sativas yeah. and it was a good thing you know yeah. what it's motivating like you it said is. they set the standard so everyone's trying to rise to that standard and it is it is and, and continue to create that's true and we we really thought about it and we're like hey if we want to compete with a place big enough as the jungle boys we need some we need a backing as, as some genetics because we knew how, we we were top-notch growers that came first you gotta you gotta be a good grower in order right. for you to have the balls to to put down that much money in order for you to do something like that and again we're running out of funds too because we underestimated the the grow on how big it you know it, it should be and how big it is so we wanted to bring in partners first set of partners we brought in helped us out financially the second part of the uh, the the second part of the partnership was supposed to be a company and um one of our partners, our financial partners, knew Steve LaBelle. Shout out Steve LaBelle, my mentor, my my big brother, my homie. Yo, we we definitely, we working. We, <laughs> we working. working. We working for sure. Yeah. We see you, Steve. Connects the you dots. No, We're going to get Scott up here. I mean, We're going to get honestly, things, man. He he connects all the dots for everybody. Yeah, he's the plug. For, for he's the, he's the plug. Awesome. You want to know the plugs? Really? Wow. Yeah. You told me at our lunch straight up that, yeah. you know, he, he was your first, one of the first people to embrace you out here and really mentor you. Yeah, to mentor in you in a sense of yeah. like, yo, I've been out here longer than you and this is what's good. You know, you should know yeah. these things yeah. and meet these people. First, he's, I, I take, I take age very seriously. I respect my elders. Um, 100%. They come from, just because they're not doing what you're doing as a young buck doesn't mean that their era wasn't crazy or what they did was what or or they didn't create they created they paved the way for Mm -hmm. what a lot of us are doing today what they have to tell is more relevant to your journey than you imagine exactly and for the younger generation i will say this don't discredit people because they're older you're going to be older too a lot quicker than you think for real (laughs) you need those older people's help so that you can get to you know being on your own yeah you know what I mean? age comes with experience yes they, they go hand in hand right? yes yes so um steve at that point you know was like hey i can really do something with this place and he was kind of like brainstorming with us with a couple of celebrities you know he was talking about snoop dogg he was talking about bone thugs in harmony and you know no no disrespect to any of them. I, you know, I love both of them and I grew up listening to both of them and stuff like that, but I just didn't feel as they were resonating with the current culture or we didn't feel like they were resonating with the current culture. And of weed smokers. Yeah. As weed smokers and stuff. And Serge and I were genuinely fans of burner and we listened to burners music and we, I really respected his raps because one thing I can't stand, especially now that I've know a lot of rappers is the bullshit that a lot of them rap about. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like they, they're not about that life, but when you're talking about moving packs and strains, what like it was something that I can relate to yeah. the next man. That's a weed smoker next to me that he can relate to going back to what I was saying about my dad. My dad was from the, 
the the coke and the heroin era where right. he was like a godfather of his own right and i knew what it took in order for you to be a kingpin moving weight of outside of weed but again somebody that was just talking about weed he didn't really talk about coke he didn't really talk right. about crack or anything mm-hmm. like that the first to talk yeah, about was, moving packs exactly it was him Young Dolph and a couple of other oh. rappers that, you know, R.I.P. Young Dolph too. Horrible what Absolutely. happened to, to Young homie Dolph. Stuff. That shit's terrible. Um, you know, just a, a few people like that. And then, you know, that influence kind of, Burner's influence went on to Wiz Khalifa where Wiz started that, you know, he saw that that was working for Burner and he used that. I think that's what catapulted Wiz because he was so relevant to the weed um community and the and and it's interesting because like i see it at a different angle i think wiz catapulted burner i mean in a sense because like burner put wiz on with the weed community but wiz put weed burner on with the music community exactly no that you're absolutely you're absolutely right just looking at it from florida because i'm at i'm at florida during this you're absolutely right you're absolutely right it was just that that's what it was because that's what I was trying to say. This because um, I was I was seeing and I would watch Wiz Khalifa day to day his vlogs, and that's first how I started to get into see Burner. But he was smoking, that, but he wasn't really like he he started getting into being a connoisseur after at, Burner. He was, was showing him. He was putting him exactly, on shit in exactly, the vlogs exactly. And Burner exactly. was working at the shops exactly. That was kind of like you know what I mean. My introduction of like oh this is Burner, and then I remember him bringing a weed plant on the stage for Wiz in like a San Francisco uh, performance or some shit, and then that was when that kind of happened, yeah, and like, you started seeing like products and. Like and that's real when you really started real, seeing real business get get taken place. The music industry and weed coming together after that, like Absolutely. you saw, it, so you started seeing a lot more people. Like it was really mind blowing for me when I first heard, you know, Quavo and 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 them, you know, Offset, you know, doing singing about cookies and this that, you know, <laughs> rapping about cookies. Yeah. It was like, you know. This has gone some gotten somewhere, you yeah. know. And then I met him in the back where it's I have one of my videos and stuff like that, where he, you know, offset comes to the back when we were just harvesting and cookies made with and he's, you know, yelling out cookies, cookies. I gotta send you that video too. It was, That's it, was awesome. it was really great. You know what I'm saying? Like seeing all that was you know, is what made it worth it. But going back to basically what Steve was saying, I like I told him, I was like, yo, no disrespect. They're cool, but we can't, you know, really, you know, do the that. Burner's hyper focus on weed. Yeah, exactly. So it's like he's he to me, like he was more, you know, I I see your since your decision there and you decided to And Jigga was route. in the scene too. Jigga actually had a page and he was in the scene. He was very vocal. Um, shout out Jai. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of Jai. I know we all I are. Love you, homie. Jigga, we need you on the show, <laughs> bro. I can't wait for you to come, come back on the first scene smoke. swinging. Bro. I got to show you guys us. a video of me and Jai. <laughs> Jai, I'm going to tell them this. Me and Jai, when we went to Barcelona and we were taking dabs off of a hot rock skillet at a steak, steak <laughs> shop <laughs> of Wildlife Rosin oh, wow. with uh, Frosty. You know, shout out Frosty. Yeah, feeling Frosty. Uh, um, All of them. You know, the whole team was there. Josh, Pistol Point Natura, uh, the big homie Shiloh, Monster, you know, uh, massive, uh, massive Shiloh. You know what I'm saying? So all of these guys 
we we kind of like meshed together after the first year of open of cookies maywood and this was in barcelona it really that put us on the next level of things that it was because we were known for that uh, maywood cookies but then we went on to another level it was like yo we're gonna go to the ego clash we're gonna go and you know hang out and you know do do a little bit different things because we're just about flour these guys brought in extracts into into the picture for us because we used to do bho you know back way before nearly like seven eight years ago almost 10 years ago we used to do all the bho with almost blowing our faces off mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying but to where th- what they were doing it was just next level shit you know so we wanted to combine that you know and bring that over to the cookies maywood scene too but again going back choosing choosing burner was serge's idea he just blurted out sir burner and he goes can you bring burner and he laughed steve steve labelle laughed and he goes hey hold that thought opens up his phone facetimes burner burners at scott storch's album recording the big pescado album and so this is recent man this is yeah this is it's the recent. last spanibus before coronavirus yeah. correct yes because i saw everyone i saw you guys yeah. all out there no, I was like, the, wow two 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 before two before okay two before. okay yeah, two before um so burner comes on the line and he's looking at the dispensary side where we were made essentially an aquarium to see into the first grow room so you can patients could actually come in or customers can come in and actually look at the flower that's being grown in-house so seeing that and everything like that he was like really impressed and he's like i can see a cookies on the wall and he really wanted to you know have a foot hold in LA because cookies was not recognized in Los Angeles yeah. or Southern California at all. You had some, they had some knowledge of it in Santa Ana because of connected, you know, shout out to the connected homies too. Um, they knew of, of them because of that, but it wasn't really, it was connected cookies. It wasn't really just cookies flagship to where everything was just cookies so this really would have been unprecedented for for cookies and and they saw the opportunity just like we did and they jumped on it a couple of meetings here and there at burner's house and we were able to solidify it but one thing that was the toughest of all challenges was basically he wanted the store opened on the day of the release of the big pescado album which i believe is also the day that the anniversary of his mother's passing oh okay so it was a pretty big deal for burner and put a deadline on you put a deadline on us and nothing was really built on the other end on the cultivation side oh it's just basically going to be a retail we had about less than two weeks Ooh, but i would say about 11 days to 12 days to build out the whole from 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 the just the retail side uh, from the day of oh, the meeting wow. of the signing that we met, the second day was signed. 11 days to 12 days later, Cookies Maywood was open. <laughs> Sounds like 11 to 12 days of no sleep. <laughs> yeah. Do you need like two crews, like a night crew and a day crew? Yeah. Like what'd you so, do? It, believe it or not, Jai Burner was even packing bags. Wow. I respect you that. You know what man, I'm saying? Straight up. I mean, 
Berner was sitting down in the lobby making phone calls the second day after we 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 said go it's a go um he was on the phone with um the jokes up um lb and them yeah lb was, ray bama shout yeah, out ray to bama. Them. he was on the phone with a lot of cats and he was like yo we need this we need that we're opening up a store we need it we need this fully stocked and that's what we had foreseen already that's why they were there you know what i'm saying it was it was beautiful. that's why you knew you picked the right person exactly it was it was a slam dunk we went from wanting to be somewhere in the top 10 or in in or even in the rankings right you know to being right underneath the jungle boys in second place yeah in the city you guys did that big seed release where you have the seeds with the wax in it People were lining up. I lined up I at like three three thirty in the morning. I was in line. I was like six in line. Yeah, wait for your draw. I loved it, bro. It was, so dope. So we basically that day, Univision, Telemundo, all the ABC, NBC, all the three letter agencies were there, and you know they were just <laughs> it was helicopters everywhere. People were lined across, you know, the the building and stuff like that, and um we opened up and we it was massive it was massive i still have that on my dvr i've saved it i don't get rid of it it's it's really really massive because they we didn't expect it to be as 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 big as what it what it you know was and stuff like that there was no hollywood store woodland hill store any other store other than us so all the attention was pretty much on us celebrities wanted to show up rappers wanted to show up and they did. They, we did a lot of walkthroughs, showed them around a lot of a lot of people like, you know, it was first of its kind to have people of that magnitude walk through a dispensary and walk through your grows and actually, you know, looking at things. But it was a tough challenge, like I was saying, on the manufacturing and the, and the cultivation side, because we didn't have power to run what we wanted to run. In order for us to get the power, we needed to dig up the entire Maywood block from one side to whole to the other side, a whole city block. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars just to dig it up so they can create a new line for us and to put our power going to the cultivation. And oh, that took wow, about man. a good six to seven months, I believe. I might be mistaken on the time timeline on that, but it, it was a it was a while. And we wanted to grow so bad. We wanted to grow so bad because at at that point you knew like you had the backing of powers up and Jai and everybody like, you know, you just make one phone call and they would give you strains to work with. You know, it was just like, here you go. That's when, you know, London pound cake came in. Set London pound cake 75, the London pound cake seeds to which exactly going back to what you were saying where we did the collab where you got half a gram of rosin and a little bit of diamonds and you got 15 seeds of the london pound cake not the 75th you know but london pound cake it was autographed by burner and it was autographed by jai i ended up buying two of them that day and like you guys and a lot Such of other people promo. that came through it was a sick promo first of its kind and I ended up taking those with me to Spanibus because I wanted to give one pack to uh, my cousin that lived out there. And it saved my ass. The songs? 
because when things. I pulled up over there, I lost my backpack right off the plane <laughs> with all my money, Ooh. my passport and everything like that. All I had was that pack of seeds in my pocket. <laughs> Two of them. Gave one to my cousin as a gift. And the second one, he's like, I'm going to sell this for you. He goes, I'm going to sell mine too. Cause they're going for 2000 euros. I'm like, what? Wow. I didn't have a penny left because of what happened. <clears throat> I'm like, here you go. Give me 1500 euros. I'm fine with it. He's like, okay. When sold it for 1500 euros at Spanabis came back. I had pocket money for the week that I was there. Wow. You know, it was, it was tough. Cause I had to go to the, the embassy and convince them you know, like, hey, I lost my passport. This is what happened. And, you know, getting a new temporary U.S. passport was no joke. Got that. Lost my medication. Lost my keys. Essentially, somebody could have just flown back to America and started my life. You know, it was, it was pretty gnarly. You know, those, those type of drops and that, those type of partnerships is what we wanted to do and, and how we wanted to start off. And it was a home run from the, from the beginning for us because of, because of, you know, people like Burner and them, you know what I'm saying? So absolutely. So shout out to big burn, man, for yes, real. Sir. Yes, sir. Doing the deal with cook. I mean that, that you, you, you went with the culture. Yeah. You know, not to say that these other people aren't co- part of the culture, but they're hip hop artists. Yeah. They smoke weed, but like true, true culture and true weed fans and weed connoisseurs. Exactly. They want to know, you know, they, they, they want to, and, and like you said, with those connections, you were able to plug things in in record timing. I mean, that's crazy, bro. Two weeks and then you guys dropped it. Yeah. And from that time you guys inked the deal, that's insane. And the, and after the cultivation was kickstarted and stuff quickly, it was very, very noticeable that, Anything grown at Cookies Maywood, like Cookies Maywood grown, would just fly off the shelves. Like there, at that point, you started having a couple of more dispensary uh, cookies dispensaries throughout California, and they were carrying London Pound Cake seventy five and cereal milk and Gary Payton, but they weren't the same that as what you were getting from Maywood. What, what can you say about the difference in the qualities? And I mean, it's definitely not the same facility. It's not the same. I'm, Batch. I'm not going to lie. In the, in the beginning, you know, we weren't using salts. We really weren't using salts. A lot of people were using salts. A lot of people were using other type of nutrients and stuff like that. We spent a lot of money. People would laugh at us. They'd be like, hang on, you have liquid advanced nutrients lined up all throughout Cookies Maywood Hall. Like, that's what we used to use. It worked. I don't give a shit when anybody says it worked. It was really thinking of it. But then we also aren't just stuck in our old ways. We, we do a lot of R&D. We do tons of R&D. We have rooms dev- devoted where we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars for R&D that don't make us profit in the, in the beginning. Yeah. You know? So those, 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 types of, those types of situations are always needed. Definitely, you know? man, it's awesome. And you guys were killing it. There were lines around the building. Yeah, you you got to understand if one thing that turns off customers and patients is when they turn the jar or the bag around, and that shit has a date mark of like two three months. That's disgusting. And it's not necessarily the company's fault. 
it's just the way the laws are written in in California, unfortunately, to where it doesn't allow the consumer to necessarily get what's fresh. And that turnaround was essential. We knew that we needed to create something so special that it could be used and consumed right away. It doesn't have a shelf life like that. So as soon as you turned a, a, a bag or a jar of cookies, Maywood products around two to three weeks max. Yeah. After testing. You know what I'm saying? So you just had to dial in and get it on that shelf the quickest. And yeah. ultimately that gave you better quality, quality control. Yeah. And a lot of other things. Yeah. Turnaround times that other people can't duplicate. So you're totally vertically integrated at Cookies Maywood. Definitely. Speed us up to now. And that's awesome that the mainstream news got involved because that's always a good thing for cannabis. It brings like a lot of eyes onto it that normally wouldn't see, you know, these like things we're producing right now. You know what I mean? Well, um, fast forwarding now, you know, known for gas, no breaks and gas, no breaks has been around for a little over four years now. Um, gas, no breaks is a culmination of years and years of, um, trial and error of all the stories that I've told you so far, all the, all the, um, experiences that I've had throughout my life. You know, sitting back one day when I was in Cookies Maywood, I had I had hernias and stuff like that. And I was going to go into surgery and I told myself, like, you know, I'm going to be away from the business for a while, you know, like and this is going to hurt me. And went and got my surgery while I was recovering and I was at home, I was looking at, you know, things and online and, you know, just when I saw, you know, Doja, the shout out Doja, the shout homie, out shout out um you know stacks from team 10 that, you know these guys big they were names. doing yeah big names they were yeah, doing yeah. they were Family. doing it in the black market to a level to which no you know it was it was in the legal almost legal you know what i'm saying like they had dope designs dope bags and really dope products that everybody wanted their hands on so i said to myself you know like if they have that knowledge and they're similar to me and they come back they come from backgrounds such as myself where like from a young age they've always looked for the best of the best you know um doja said it the best like right now the successful companies that are doing good during flooding times and crop tobers and things like that are the ones that the weed speaks for itself the product speaks for itself and you got to really line yourself around those people in order for you to know, because not all weed is, is created equally. It's just the bottom no, line. Definitely. Not. Tell us the moniker. I love the moniker that you, you guys know. were talking about earlier. Yeah. Tell us that. Ga gas no breaks is, uh, you know, I have, I have a sweater that says you don't even smoke. I literally, <laughs> literally made that sweater and t-shirt. Um, got it on. Yeah. The homie has it on right now. Um, <laughs> for the for the all the people that were in the industry that weren't even smoking that were they didn't even smoke period have never smoked it was it was like mind fuck for me to say like how are you giving advice to people on what to smoke and what not to smoke or you know essentially if you're even just a a financial partner you have to feel 
you know, you have to get the knowledge of the grower that has that knowledge of to what's good in order for you to, you know, fund them, to believe in them, to fund them. So I was like, no, nah, man, like you don't even smoke. So I put that, yeah. I blasted that on a t-shirt for everybody to see. And like I was mentioning, it's one of my favorite t-shirts to wear at an MJ BizCon where you see a lot of, <laughs> lot of the chads walking around or, you know, business owners that have nothing to do with this industry whatsoever. Well, you guys have been the tastemakers from the start. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, like going back and say, you know, with gas, no breaks, we, I I really wanted to be at that level as to where those homies were. Yeah. I'm a little bit older than them. I've been held back by, you know, by things and this, that, but it's never too late to get into something to where you see that people would actually want. Like I said, if it doesn't go in my lungs, it doesn't go in my bags. And I use that motto in the beginning to basically set forth, you know, Hey, do you think this, this dope? Do you, would you smoke this? Do you you think your homies would smoke this? Like, yo player, this, this is dope. This is really nice. Like, I really like the burn, you know, ash white, um look aesthetically looks beautiful smells delicious and inviting and actually tastes like what it is all the way to the back of the joint or every bong load you know what i'm saying so it checked all the boxes so i knew i was like you know what if if people are reacting good nicely towards it then this is this is what it is and um i reached out to um we stay moving the homie that did the same uh, was the guy that created the jungle boys logo. And I really wanted to start my company from the best of the best, you know, the best logos, best photographer, best product of everything. Cause that's just the only thing that's about to set you apart from anybody else. That's doing really good. That's just what it is. hundred percent. Um, and I'm blessed because I have Fidel on, on the corner and I have Serge on the corner. You know what I'm saying? Like they are always creating flower. They're always pheno hunting. And we have friends that are pheno hunting for us. So not only have I commissioned a lot of grows, I support a lot of up and coming growers and stuff like that and want them to be a part of the team because having them in my network is what makes gas no breaks. Yes, I can grow two or three of my strains like the Mambas and the White Mambas and the Black Gushers. But then after that, you have a lot of the flowers that that are my friends' grows that I've helped them, you know, with the setup and everything like that and said, hey, you know what? Go for it, man. What, what is it that you can bring to this game? And I can help you and, you know, blow your blow your strain up, you know. That's what that makes you an OG. That's what OGs do. I mean, yeah, you, you, ha- you have you have to lend a hand to yeah. to that next generation, or else the game dies there. Mm. You know, the, the knowledge will die with the OGs. Oof, it's I not like passed that. down. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and it, and it worked. People responded so well to it. Uh, beautiful designs. Mylar Mylar bags really changed the game. You know what I'm saying? So it's just <laughs> like you have to like not only is your weed have to be good, but your bag has to be good too. So like we went for that. Now we're going for strain specific bags and shape shape cut bags and things like that. So the game has evolved to that. And um clothing came after that accessories and and merchandise came after that because 
you got to believe in yourself and you got to believe that if your mission in that you've set forward to do is a righteous one, like I said, then, then go full force, invest in yourself and see where, see where it leads to, because you'll never know. Like I said, if I didn't do it, if I had hadn't invested in myself by looking at the homies like Doja, like stacks that were, you know, pushing the envelope in the black market, I wouldn't have done it. But it's cool to see now all the homies transitioning over and definitely yeah. really getting yeah, it yeah, right. Definitely. You know what I mean? So that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Straight and I up. really think every company needs to do that. You, you really can't skip the streets. The streets is what that's what you're trying to say is that you really do got to gain street cred. You know, you, you, you got to get you got to get your marketing out in a guerrilla marketing style with cannabis because we're so limited and yeah. you really got to get your bags out there. And I mean, blow your brain. Think up. about it. If I was to just I have access because I'm a part of Cookies Maywood. I have access to put my stuff on the on the shelves if need be. You know what I'm saying? But for me, in order for me to do that, I wasn't just going to jump the gun and I'm still not going to just jump the gun. It's has, I have to have the streets uh, have, have, have to say, you know, this dude's for real. You know, he checks out. They will after this. You can bet that. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I ran into some, some hardcore supporters of yours in New York. Shout out my man, Lenny D. Lenny D. He, uh, he definitely told, he came up right Strong away. Strong Roots Collective. He came up right away and was like, yo, you know my man, all gas, no breaks. I was like, man, we did an episode <laughs> with his brother, but I haven't met him yet. And he brought this to fruition. It was yes. a few weeks later. I'm having lunch with you. So, yeah. you know, shout yeah. out Lenny D, man. Um, walking, walking, you know, going fast forwarding to this, to this day, my products are all over the country and all over the world. Um, New York, Miami, Chicago, um, Dallas, Houston, California, you know what I'm saying? It it started from here. I got the okay from here. The streets loved it and told everybody else, yo, this is it. It's smoking. Yeah, it's smoking. And I'll tell you right now, it's smoking. And I like it too, because just like Stack says, you are your brand. And I very much feel that with your brand. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you you gotta own it. You gotta own your brand. You you know, there's your, not a day where I don't put my own clothing on. Like, and and I'm you know, proud, uh, and you know I'm Fidel's the it. same way. And I he love said that. that. Yeah. You Fidel know? is 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 he impressed me because like he does pants and all. That. He he goes. I mean, the stuff that's not easy to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and he a takes it back. Fidel takes it back to our country to Lebanon. So the ashtrays that that you see that he has are made from granite and marble from the Middle East from thousands of years ago. I mean, wow. this, these rocks he are on ancient. Um, and the gar- some of the garments, such as the pants that he's made, are from Lebanon, made in Lebanon. Lebanon is going through a lot of hardship, economical hardships. We'd like, we help Lebanon and Armenia because we're Armenian out in both ways as much as we can in, in every way, shape or form to help support our homeland, our motherland and fatherland. So having thinking outside the box and creating stuff from there, is not only cool, you know, brings culture to it's pure already yeah, cultured. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. That's amazing, man. What so what 2022? What what are we looking at? All gas, no brakes. So yes, I believe after you know four years of traditional market and getting 
the okay from the streets from all across the country and the world. It's time for Gaston Breaks to be on shelves. And um, my brother Serge and I are working right now. We just built a new facility exclusively to do pheno hunts and to do R&D for the future strains of uh, gas no brakes that are going to be in stores on store shelves. It'll be at all the cookie stores, all the backpack boy stores, wow. all the Dr. Green thumbs. So um, that's, that's, that's what I, that's, that's where I see it in the near future. Any, any crosses you're looking forward to or that you really like, you know, got in your head that you, um so i'm a huge fan of white runs i love white shout out runs. The, shout out the ray bomba yeah. that whole crew for real. so i we do a lot of crosses with white runs i love it it just works really it what it does is whatever strain that you bring along with it it kind of gives it that the candy yeah even if you're introducing it to something as gassy as let's say a gelati or you know the gary if grown properly can be very very gassy so mm -hmm. things like that we have a lot of those in the mix um gary payton gelati cushman's crosses crossed back with white runs crossed back with lemon cherry gelatos crossed back with jealousies um mambas crossed back with a lot of the fidel strains like the newest one that i just did was my original mambas crossed back to uh, to fidel's um runts s1 which is his, like his original runs. yeah it's, like it's his, his original runs, runs and anybody who's smoked fidel's he's got runs, like a it's one of the runs that you're like this is runs yeah. like the og runs yeah. i should say of like yeah. you know i don't like to compare it with what um, you know, Ray Bama and them have yeah. because theirs is really, really good, uh, good as well. Um, but with the market of having so many fake runs, it's refreshing to know that it is actually it's a real runs cut, a real runs. Yeah. You know? So hundred percent. That's that's you know tried and true. Absolutely. I mean, and the flavors you brought today were fire. I was choking the whole start of it off that <laughs> crazy. I love that the strains you're mentioning too are some of the best ones. Gelati. I mean, unbelievable, yeah, man. Gelati in itself is a phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. What's the biscotti, other one? Biscotti in a Gelato 41. Mm -hmm. That was actually created um, right after the fallout between Cookies and Connected due to the Cookies not being able to name things Biscotti or Gelato 41. And then it, it changed from there. But um, yeah, it's, it was one of my favorite ones. We, we, we don't grow it currently. We have different variations and phenos of it, but we don't just grow gelati anymore. That's awesome. 100%. It's a family affair, though. It's cool. It's coming full circle. Now you and Serge are back working together. Yes. Awesome to hear, man. Yes. Honestly. Yes. You got one hell of a journey, one hell of a story. Any crazy prison stories before we wrap up? Um, crazy <laughs> prison stories, man. If you want to hear all the crazy prison stories, uh, I that's on the Dog on the Yard podcast. But I'll give you guys one. Um, weed related. Got it. Weed related. So um, yeah, I, you said... You said you did three years, but you said you were sober for one and a half years. Yeah. So like, what was, <laughs> so what happened is that at least exactly. I was waiting to so hear. So what man. happened is, um, I forgot they, to ask you they about didn't that. have <laughs> enough room in prison in California. 
they were shipping us out from Ironwood and Sentinella all the way out to Arizona, where they had private prisons called CCA, um, Correction Corporations of America. You can actually it's buy this on the stock fucking market. Fucking mindfuck. That's what I was about to say. How fucking do you say you, you can you can invest in this in the stock market? Yeah. The prison system. In, oh my gosh. Like essentially friends of mine could invest in a company that's locking me up. Yep. That's you know, it and if just, you look at politicians, I mean, and the yeah. organizations, they all line up. Yeah. It's very and, interesting. And CCA had prisons in every state except California and Hawaii. So we were shot out to Arizona in the middle of the desert near Tucson and Casa Grande, where I was in a prison called Red Rock. And um, a lot, of, I had a lot of homies from Pasadena that were running, because we're Southsiders, we're, you know, Sureños. We predominantly run all of the prisons throughout California. So a lot of the homies were hitting with weed and, you know, everything else. But I wanted weed really, really bad. I hadn't smoked weed for a year and a half. And we grew weed. So, so I was like, hey, you know, why don't you have your wife meet my brother outside and you guys managed to bring something in for the both of us? Allegedly, you can, you yeah. You can keep half. And I, it's, it's all, I've done my time, so they can't get me on okay. it. You know what I'm saying? It's all good. You keep half and I keep half. I don't even want to sell any of mine. I just want to smoke it. So, you know, after my big homies meeting to which Serge had facilitated a slam dunk for me to his wife comes in and I get handed my issue and everybody that would bring in Bud before that was all just swag or just regular shit you got that shit we got <laughs> we were growing the whole podcast we were growing madman og at that time rolling I mean, it up yeah it was the loudest of all loud strains um at night when so, would you smoke so after i got the issue and he, the other half got given to the big homie the big homie sold his because he doesn't smoke he sold his Half the prison was already smelling all the other like uh, pods and stuff like that. Cause there's units yeah. all the, where all the cells are located in. So all the units had gotten it and they were smoking. So the heat was all on, on those, <laughs> on those units. And cause you I'm, split it with your boy. Yeah. So it was going around. Oh and hell. My celly Louie from uh, Southside Bakers. He, dude was big old like he was huge he was like yo player let's let's roll one and i'm like i don't have any paper what do you know i was like come on with the bible bible paper i'm like are you serious i'm christian <laughs> I, was yeah, like, a crossroad I was like forgive me father <laughs> you know like but i have to do this i'm like i'm fiending i want to smoke i really want to smoke so it's, you know cut the bible papers made out of rice paper and stuff and we rolled one and then we started smoking and this was about like six or seven o'clock it was already, you know, like lights out. And um, in, in California, you have about, or in, even in Arizona, you have about two or three tiers. And the tiers are connected by the vents right behind the urinals. 
So in behind the urinals, in the vents, there were smoke detectors that we didn't know about because we always smoked cigarettes, but nothing would, you know, nothing would happen. <laughs> this was so heavy. The smoke was so heavy. It let off the smoke detector in the vents. And I started shitting bricks. I have a half ounce with oh. me. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with. And my cellie's like, yo, give it to me. I'm going to hoop it. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was waiting. What is, what is I was waiting. Explain hoop it. <laughs> Your birthday suit pocket. What? Oh, man. <laughs> you know what he I'm saying? He suitcased it. Yeah. So, and he's like, yo, he hands me some um, Old Spice that. Swagger. Half ounce gets pushed down. Old Spice eight. Swagger. And he's like, yo, hit up the floor. So I'm on the floor is just with water and ha like flooding the floor a little bit with swagger and i'm just wiping the floors and the walls just trying to get it to smell like Clean. anything other than weed and the ceos walk by and they're just putting their nose to the oh. to the doors and they're like this door that door that door and that door so it's us the door right behind <laughs> next to us the ones underneath us and the ones next to them we all got out and some of the, the homies that got out they weren't homies they're were tongans Tongan Crips, big old dudes from Long Beach. I mean, they're towering. They don't like to be woken up. So they're just like, oh, what the <laughs> oh, fuck? What God. are we doing out here? You know, so like we had we were all hemmed up and they searched, you know, and everything like that. And luckily, luckily, my celly was about it. Uh, you know, a seven-time veteran. <laughs> and um, he put it in his birthday suit, and we were we were able to go unskeeved. But they knew that somebody from those pods had weed. So what they did is all eight, uh, two, four, six, eight of us went in for a piss test the next day. That night, I had the guy that delivers food piss in a glove for me. Holy. Tied that, left his piss in a glove on, on me to keep it warm. As soon as we woke up and the cells opened, two COs came and escorted us to the, to the first office to take a piss test right there. I pierced the bag and I'm pissing through that glove into, into the container and it kind of spills all over me. Now I have another man's piss all over me. <laughs> Guys, this is all for smoking weed, just to try, try to smoke weed. This is how much I love smoking <laughs> fucking weed. <laughs> This is hilarious. Holy shit. So, you know, and like I pissed running down my thing and, and he's like, okay, that's good enough. Lock it up. Gave it to him. Came clean and uh, came out. Talk came about out learning on one. the fly. Wow. Did you smoke if I again got after caught, that? If I got caught uh, and people have been caught with something as, as thin as a toothpick, uh, uh, joints as thin as a toothpick, get three years with 85%. Oh, added time wow to your to your thing so i would have still been in there you know for another three years if i had gotten caught but with the amount i had probably even more half ounces of gas half ounce of gas that never happens in, yes. in prison i didn't even want to I mean, smoke it anymore then after I'm sure that. i've had a couple people caught some time yeah, on like, that that's a lot yeah and um, I, it, it, even in jail, we're doing the lighter, the the battery trick, with yeah, the outlet, with the two or whatever. razors, yeah, and and it's 
you're smoking like paper. Like yeah. you're, it's yeah. the amount. But you got like, high. No. But you yeah, got oh yeah. High. And then you, you got, get paranoid. You got high. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely a different yeah. setting. I'll tell yeah, you that. Yeah, because you don't even know. They can just be like, "Hey, let's drug test right now." That's a whole other. Well, I start thinking everyone's oh. like on to you right yeah. away. You're like bugged out. You know. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So. Well, shit, man. But wasn't it on a good note? Good prison story. You already know. (laughs) (laughs) We're looking forward to everything, man. All gas, no brakes. Episode 30. Black Leaf, Pat Gods. We're signing off, man. We appreciate you you guys. We'll see you soon. White Ashes. Peace. Yo, what's up, First Smoke family? Just want to take a few seconds to shout out some special partners of the show. Make sure you guys go check out Grow Generation, the largest hydroponic retailer in the nation, over 60 retail stores, growgeneration.com. They also carry some awesome products there. Blackleaf, tell them a little bit about our next sponsor, Power SI. Man, the hands down, the best potassium silicate on the market. This is what I use in my garden. This is what the best growers in the country are using. This is what the best growers in the world are using. This is the potassium silicate for growers. For more information on our partners, click in the description below. We're going to include all the links, all the information, everything you guys need to know to get down with any of these companies. Shout out to Grow Generation, Power Rest Side. We appreciate you guys. First Smoke Family forever.